In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come over you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. We are entering into the greatest story ever told. And we are receiving the greatest news ever given. And we have good news for our lives here today. So we're entering into a series as we celebrate Christmas called Good News. And good news is always, always, always a reason to celebrate. So over these next several weeks, as we walk through the month of December, we're going to look at five songs of celebration from people who realize the gift that we have in Jesus. Today we're going to look at the song of Mary and we're going to talk about what it looks like to worship God and to make much of the name of Jesus. Next week we're going to look at the prophetic praise of Zechariah who looks at what salvation means for us. In week three we're going to look at the song of the angels and they declare joy to the world. Then we're going to look at the song of Simeon as he looks at this gift that we have, and we're gonna wrap up with the song of the early church, looking at the power and the glory of Jesus. But today we're gonna to explore this song of Mary and talk about what does it look like for us to make much of Jesus. But I wanna kind of circle around back to this idea of celebration. I mean, think about what do we do when we get good news? We celebrate, right? I mean, I'm always, especially in the season of life we're living in right now, I'm always looking for a reason to celebrate. And it doesn't take much. I mean, I will celebrate the $5 in my jacket pocket of the jacket I didn't wear since last year, but much less the, the really good news that we get. But think about it. What is some good news that you've had in your life? Uh, maybe it was that uncertainty of that test result or something happening and you go to the doctor and you get that good news. Or you're waiting for God to move in a relationship and you get some good news. Or maybe you had that interview and you get some good news. But when we get news like that, we celebrate. We go to dinner, we have a party, we call up our best friend or, you know, a loved one and we say, I got to tell you what just happened today. I've got some what? Some Good news. And we celebrate. 
And this is what happens with Mary. She receives some good news and she can't help but to celebrate. And so she breaks out into song. Let's think about what is it that's happening here in the story. We find out first Elizabeth, who is Mary's cousin, who's not uh, of a mothering age anymore. She's grown, we'll just say she's got some uh, experience in life. Uh, for those of us who are more experienced than others, right? She's got some age maturity and she shouldn't be having children. And what? She, she finds herself pregnant. And then Mary gets a visit from the angel Gabriel. And Gabriel says, hey, Mary, guess what? Not only is Elizabeth pregnant, but you're about to give birth to a child. Which doesn't make sense to Mary because Mary's engaged, but she's not yet married. And here she is, she's wondering, and, the, and Gabriel says, listen, the, the angel of God is going to come over you and you're going to give birth to a child by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you're going to name him Jesus. Why Jesus? Because he's going to be the son of the most high. He's going to sit on the throne of David and he's going to reign forever. Now, I don't imagine that Mary knew all of what uh, the implications of this were, but I do believe Mary understood that what the angel was talking about was the Messiah or the Christ, the anointed one. This was the savior that Israel had been waiting for. And she had great expectations of what that might look like. And I imagine in that moment, she was overwhelmed with the goodness of that news, but also the consequences of that. Because there was some real danger related here. She's a teenager. She's from a poor town. She's not yet married. What is Joseph going to say? What are her parents going to say? What are the people around her going to say? What is this going to cost her in life? And yet, what does she say? I'm your servant. Let it be just as you said. And then as she wrestles with the good news that has just come to her, that the Savior of the world is about to enter into our lives, she can't help but celebrate, and she breaks out in song. Now, this song that we're going to look at is called the Magnificat, the Magnificent, right? Because in verse 46, uh, she uses the phrase, Megalune Curion, the greatness, mega, the greatness, the awesomeness of the Lord. And she says, it's often translated in our Bibles, my soul magnifies the Lord. She makes much of Jesus. And that's what we are invited into as well. What would it look like day to day in our lives because of the good news we have to make much of Jesus? So let's take a look together. Luke chapter 1, verse 46. And Mary said, My soul glorifies, or your Bible might say magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. There's a reason to celebrate here. I'm rejoicing. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary can't help 
but to celebrate because of the good news that she's been given. Right? As a matter of fact, this is the greatest news ever given. And she can't help it. She's just got to praise and she's got to worship God. And here's what I think is so key for Mary is that with all the things happening around her, she focused in on the message of the good news that was given to her. I don't know about you, but I know for me, so much of my life, I'm tempted to be distracted by other things that claim to be good news. I mean, especially the season of Christmas. I love Christmas. This is far and away my favorite time of the year. I love everything about it. I love the lights. I love the Christmas movies. I love the Christmas songs. I love the parties, the food. I love everything about it. And those are all wonderful, great things, but sometimes they can be a distraction if they become the main thing. Or think about the other things in our world that we can get so focused on that are not the main thing. We, we think about, you know, money and we think about things that we can buy and we think about experiences and we can get so tied up in all of that stuff. Or we think about, you know, the people that we look up to and the people that we're fans of and those musicians or those athletes or those actors. Like I will tell you, you know, easily for me, just a confession moment, if Tom Hanks were to walk through that door right now, like my heart's gonna start beating fast and my mouth's gonna dry up, like, cause I'm gonna get distracted by somebody that I'm a fan of. Right, somebody called me out on that after the first service. I'm just going to die on that hill. Right, Tom Hanks, the greatest actor of all time. You can disagree, but it's okay. But here's the thing, guys. As we get so fixated on stuff that breaks and gets lost and we lose, we get fixated on people that we get to be around who may not even know our name when the creator of the universe is calling us by name and says, I wanna do life with you. What would it look like if just like Mary, we focused in on that greatest gift that is given to us? And what is that gift? It is the gift of salvation that comes through Jesus, who's come into the world, Emmanuel, God with us, who's come to do what you and I can't do, who's come to save us from a problem that we couldn't fix of sin and death. And heaven is literally being brought to us. Jesus is the bridge between heaven and earth. He is the one who's come to bring the power and the love and the mercy of God. And he brings heaven to us and he's bringing heaven to come into us. And the evidence of our salvation is when heaven gets a hold of me and my life begins to change. And I begin to experience all the things that we focus on at Christmas, love and joy and peace and hope. And God is giving us an invitation to receive the gift. Now, what I want to ask us to think about this morning is what would it look like for us to position our hearts that we could receive that gift? And I believe that God is giving us an invitation through this song of Mary, this celebration of Mary, that we can open our hearts to receive. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lift up three things that I think God's inviting us to do in our hearts or let him do in our hearts that we can receive the gift. And here's the first one, is that God wants us to receive acceptance. He wants us to receive acceptance. Here's the truth I know about life, that you and I cannot fully understand who we are until we understand who God is. And Mary lays out some of the, the truths about who God is. 
And she walks through this celebration, this song, moving from God's power and glory to his love and mercy. She starts off and she says, my soul magnifies the, the Lord. The Lord, meaning he's in charge. He is sovereign. He has a plan in the world. And she recognizes that this is God, what? My Savior. That the one who has a plan, who's in control, steps into the world to save me, even though I don't deserve it. And he is the mighty one who steps into my life and there's nothing too great for him to overcome, nothing too small for him to care about. He is intimately involved in my life. He is the mighty one. And he comes with what? With mercy. He is merciful and kind and good. God wants to step into my life. Look at what Mary says, verse 46. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in who? God, my Savior, for he has been mindful. In other words, he's recognized me. He's paying attention to me. He looked at me. He came for me. And then later she says in verse 50, his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation, including you and me, that when we come in awe of God, he comes not with judgment, but with mercy in other words, this, this all-powerful, amazing, glorious God wants to be my personal God. And he comes with mercy and kindness. He wants to be my Savior. He wants to get involved in my life, not just be around my life, but be in my life. And he's offering a gift with that, a gift of worth and value and purpose. And please hear me on this. Every single one of us in this room, watching online, watching from wherever you are, whenever you are, we are all looking for, for worth, value, and purpose. And we look all around us. We look at our jobs. We look at our money. We look at our popularity and relationships. And not one of those things can give you the worth and the value and the purpose that we are all looking for. Everything in this world is shifting and changing and unreliable. It can be taken away in a single moment. And the God who was, who is, and will be forever and ever and ever is saying to you, you matter to me. This is the whole point of Jesus being born. If Jesus never did anything else, the fact that God took on flesh is his unending, undying declaration to you that you matter to me. That I left the throne of heaven to come to you because you have worth and you have value and you have purpose to me and nobody can strip that away. And God says, you are my child. You're my son, you're my daughter, you belong to me. And when I receive that acceptance from God and I know who I am and can be set free from this, this race and this, this trap of trying to find it in people and places and things around me, when I can be set free from that and rather bring strength to it rather than trying to get it from it, I am inevitably moved to worship just like Mary. When Mary realized my God has been mindful of me, she couldn't help but to worship and celebrate and make much of Jesus. The same is true for you and me.
But to get to that place, we have to realize our need for that Savior. And so here's the second thing that God invites us into, is he wants to dismantle pride. He wants to get us to a position in our minds, our thinking, in our hearts, our feeling, in our souls, our will for life. He wants to get us to a place where we recognize every moment of every day, every breath, I'm in desperate need of God. Look at what Mary says. She sings this song of praise. She says, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are what? Proud. In their inmost thoughts, he has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He wants to scatter the thoughts of the proud. He wants to lift up the humble that he wants to get us to a place where we recognize that I'm in need of the mercy that God gives. I'm in need of the, the grace that God gives to me. And ultimately, because of Jesus, we all come to God in the same position, and that's we bring nothing to the table. We cannot earn his favor. We cannot earn salvation. We cannot be good enough to ever get into his presence or heaven, but God brings it as a gift to us, and we all receive it by grace. There's nothing that we can do no matter how much money or power or friends or relationship or prestige you have. You cannot earn the love of God that he freely gives. No matter how broken you are, how much sin you have in your life, how much you've messed up and hurt yourself and others, you are not disqualified from the love and the grace and the mercy that God brings. We can receive it freely because Jesus initiates it. Now here's the point, is that it's not that God is trying to flip things where the powerful become uh, lowly and the lowly become powerful. He's trying to put us all in the same place. And what is that place? It's where we all come to the feet of Jesus, declaring either by choice or at the end of time, by the glory of God, all will say Jesus is Lord. And we will bow before him for the glory of God. And we will either choose to be humble or he will humble us. But here's the thing. Is that God is not trying to hit us with his hammer of judgment. He is coming to us with his kindness, his love, his mercy. Look at this. She says, he has scattered those who are proud in their what? In their inmost thoughts. This word scattered, it literally means to be disrupted. In other words, Jesus gets in the way of my thinking that moves me to pride. Because in my thinking that moves me to pride, it's moving me further away from the grace of God. Where I cannot find love or hope or peace or joy. And it is in God's kindness that he interrupts. He gets in the way of those prideful thoughts so that he can put me in a position of humility. Why? So that he can lift me up. And when I realize my desperate need for God, it'll move me to worship. But here's the thing about humility is it requires trust of you and me. If I'm going to be willing to recognize that I can't fix it all and I'm not in control and, and I'm not all that and I'm not better than somebody else, I've got to trust that God is not only God, but that God is good and God is for me and he's moving in my life. That he wants to be involved and he's trustworthy and he's faithful and he's good. And I trust, you know what, God, you're, you are loving 
And at the end of the day, you are God and I am not. And I can trust you. And I move just like Mary to this place of celebration and worship. And ultimately, when I get to that place, the next logical step is for us to say, God, I want to join with you and all your goodness and all your glory and everything you're doing in the world. And so the final invitation, I think, that at least for Mary that she lifts up is for us to act in love. You're going to say, God, you are so amazing and so good and who you are is love. I want to stay in step with you. I want to join with you. And even when I don't feel it, God, I want to choose to act in love. This is so critical. Look at how Mary closes out this celebration of song. Verse 53, he has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering, we're going to come back to that, remembering to be merciful to who? To Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary is celebrating the good news that God is a God who always remembers his promises. This is the good news, that God has made a promise to save us from sin and death, give us hope of eternal life, to bring heaven to earth in his son Jesus, and he followed through. What was the promise that he made to Abraham? I want you to go back this week and read Genesis chapter 12. Specifically, the first three verses. God calls out to Abraham and he says, Abraham, you are going to be the father of many nations, as many stars in the sky will be your descendants. And then a very critical promise. He says, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. And we all like that part. I'm gonna bless you so that you'll be a blessing. This is the good news, that God wants to move into your life Remember, Jesus comes to the world as an expression of God's love for you. You matter to him. You're something in, in God, his love for you that nobody can take away. And God wants to move into your life. He wants to bring protection from harm, from evil, from brokenness. He wants to bring provision physically, emotionally, spiritually. He wants to provide for you in your life. And he wants to bring his presence. He wants to do life with you. He wants to live in you. This is the blessing that God gives, but he gives that blessing to you so that it can move through you. To that person in your life who needs an, a message of hope, they need some good news. Maybe work is a disaster or their finances are falling apart or a marriage or some other relationship is in shambles or then maybe they're walking through addiction or sickness, mental illness, or some other kind of brokenness, and they need some good news. And God has brought good news to you that it can move through you to others. See, the logical conclusion, when I recognize the greatness of God and the act of love that came through Jesus is that I move to worship. To me, the most ludicrous thing in the whole world is to just kind of be apathetic about it 
either reject him or he is the God of gods, the Lord of lords, the King of kings, who is Savior of all, who's come to bring his mercy and kindness and love into your life. There is no middle ground. If he is who he is, then we have to come and bow down and celebrate and worship and praise him. And the greatest act of worship we can ever have is to say, God, I want your heart in mine, your thinking in mine, your will in mine. As you are, I want to be. And so as you act in love, Lord, may I act in love. And to look around and say, what are the, the needs that I can meet for folks? Just in my world, that physical needs, emotional needs, spiritual needs. How can I reach out in the name of Jesus? Because the name of Jesus has power to it. And we can offer that gift to others. I want to be like Mary. I want to make much of Jesus. I want to realize my worth and value in Him. I want to realize my dependence on Him. And I want to join with Him to make a difference in this world. All of it to say much about Jesus. Because Jesus has no rival. With Jesus, there is no equal. With Jesus, there's no second best that comes close. It is Jesus alone. He is the mighty God. He is the Savior. He is the one who comes in mercy. And so we come to him and we make much of him. I hope and I pray for me and for you that this is what we make every single day our Christmas celebration about is a declaration of praise for Jesus. And so here's what I hope that, and I encourage and challenge us to be about over these next, what, 20 days as we come to Christmas. I wanna invite us to praise him at your work, in your car, at your home, to sing songs of praise, to celebrate him, to just tell him how amazing he is, uh, to, to put him at the forefront of your life, to act as Jesus would act in your work, in your home, in your neighborhood. Praise him with everything that we have. He is good. I want to invite and challenge and encourage us to worship as a community. Y'all, this is so important. We do not come together to worship just because we might get something out of it or see somebody or they might get out. No, worship is about God and bringing glory to Him. And when we come together in the name of Jesus as the body of Christ, we bring glory to God. It matters. COVID or no COVID, it matters that we are the body of Christ to worship and glorify Him. And then we, as an act of worship, we give to Him. We give, yeah, we give our money, our tithes, our offerings, but we give our time and we give our prayers. We give our commitment. We give our love. We give our resources, our, our uh, talents, our spiritual gifts, all of it poured out pouring it to God as an act of praise and worship to glorify, to make much of Jesus. I hope and I pray that that's what our Christmas celebration is about. Enjoy the gifts and the lights and the parties and the songs and the movies and all of it. It's great. But let us not make it a distraction about that one name that is above all other names. The greatest gift ever given, who is Jesus. If you'll stand, we're going to close out with a final song. 
Each and every week we open these altar rails as they are open today. You can come and pray here. You can wave one of the pastors over if you'd like us to pray with you. You can pray in your seat, pray at home. But I specifically want to ask you to, to wrestle with one of two things. It might just be that for your whole life, Jesus has been around your life, but you've never let Jesus in your life. Like there is no substitute, no knowledge or behavior or participation. There's nothing that will substitute for surrendering and submitting to Jesus. What way, better way to start your Christmas celebration off than to do that today, to say, Lord, I, wanna, I want you in my life. But if you've made that commitment, here's the second thing that I want to ask us to wrestle with. Is how can I, as an act of celebration, just make much of Jesus? Maybe you want to raise your hands as we sing or come and bow at the altar or just silently stand before him. But let's make much of Jesus, not the worship team or a preacher or lights or any of that other stuff. We make much of Jesus the Son of God, the Savior, who's come into the world for you and me. Let's pray together. God, we love you and we celebrate who you are. Thank you, God, that you love us so much that you took on flesh. Thank you, God, that you went to the cross, that you took on our sin, that you rose from the dead. We celebrate the gift we have in you. God, open our eyes to where we might be missing it, where we're distracted, God, where we're not focused, where we're not celebrating. Give us a reason to, to raise our hands in praise and honor. For you are the one true God, our only hope, our Savior. Come and move. Come, Holy Spirit, and do what you need to do in our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.